0: Another episode of Silence Your Phones, your movie review podcast on the network, found exclusively at BICBP-radio.com. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Chavez, joined as always by
1: Sean Fritz, and I'm assuming you're still Corona-free? I am Corona-free, standing here with my fellow Earthlings in solidarity. There you go. There you go.
0: Dude, it's, it seems like every time we get on to start talking, something else is going on in the world. Oh, my um, goodness. And yeah, the, woods. the literal really? Tinder box has been lit. Um, and it's intense, dude. I don't know. I don't even know what to say. Like every single time I put on social media, turn on the news, look at anything, it's just inundated with nonstop, you know, all the stuff that's happening. And it's intense and it's crazy. It's maddening. It's saddening. Uh, it's depressing. Um, So I have to tell you that this doing the show like this is something that I do kind of I am looking forward to because I get I can I at least escape for a little bit into a movie. You know what I mean? Get just kind of let myself loose. And, and even if it's a movie that's got, you know, certain themes that kind of mimic what's happening, uh, you can still kind of lose yourself in the overall, you know, fictional world that's that's developed. So um, I'm ready to talk about the movie today because everything else just seems way too depressing, to be honest with you
1: yeah and and just to echo your sentiments that it's all you know nothing is you know in, in a happy light nothing in current state of society nothing is a-okay right um, and and you know no jokes you know all jokes aside here for this one mm-hmm. all, all of this is everything that's happening is i would say avoidable yeah but you know we'll leave it at that and and but on a funnier note, I guess you could say, I uh, so E had asked me the other day, uh, she she does self-help, self-coaching, or not self-coaching, but coaching and, and whatnot. Yeah. And she started talking to me about something that is completely off of my radar, something that is it, it related to current events. But I'm like, where is all this coming from? This is not a normal thing we talk about or discuss or anything like that. And it took her an extra day and a half to realize that I had no idea what was going on at that moment and it was probably two days into it and i'm like i don't know i'm behind on my podcast so i don't have any notes any current events that's coming yeah. in. i'm getting all information that's two and three weeks old <laughs> you so you, you you're you're one of the smart people that just keeps your
0: shit turned off you're not trying to watch the news you're not trying to you know look at the newspaper or or see just the non-stop inundation of everything that's happening at once
1: I don't really do social media outside of Instagram because I don't really feel like getting infuriated every five minutes. Yeah. Work, that's smart, dude. It's smart at work. We don't talk about it because at work we don't have political stances. On right. Purpose. And we're also focused on business, not on the happenings of, of everything unless they affect our business directly.
0: Gotcha. Yeah.
1: Not to sound callous, but that's, kind of how our our business works it's very it's a bubble we're, we're in banking yeah so anyways gotcha on on with the show
0: yeah yeah no kidding this is uh it's it's you know everyone who's listening um is obviously dealing with things they're seeing things in their way they're 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 experiencing a certain way of life at the moment and uh you know if anything, we want to try to provide some sort of escape, at least for just 45 minutes, maybe an hour, if we don't ramble on too long. Uh, but yeah, what we do here, Silence Your Phones, is we watch movies. We watch them and we talk about them. We talk about them, we break them down into categories and, and discuss those things. Uh, and this week, we decided we're going to check out Blade Runner Final Final Cut.
1: There was an escape from the off-world colonies two weeks ago. Six replicants.
0: I need you, Dex. I need the old Blade Runner.
1: Replicants are like any other machine. They're either a benefit or a hazard. If they're a benefit, it's not my problem. I'm Rachel. Decker.
0: They were designed to copy human beings in every way How can it not know what it is? Commerce is our goal here at Tyrell. More human than human is our motto.
1: If only you could see what I've seen. What seems to be the problem? I want more life. Too
0: bad she won't live. But then again, who does? More human than human is our motto. I've seen things you people wouldn't believe. And I say Final Cut because there's all versions of this, and we're going to get into it, but the one we saw was uh, Final Cut. Now, Sean, before we watched this, had you seen the film Blade Runner before?
1: No, but I knew the name Deckard, Roy Batty. I knew that there was a sequel, and that it was, you know, a Ridley Scott movie. That it was critically renowned, mm-hmm. more so after the fact. But that, and and that, it had a lot of names that I was familiar with, but none of the work of those people that I was familiar with. So I knew Rutger Hauer. Was a name, but not pronounced Rutger Howard, like Clint Howard. He's not one of the the Ron Howard, Clint Howard brood. Man, <laughs> can you imagine what he would look like if he did? <laughs> <laughs> I would challenge oh. any of our listeners who are artists or who are really good with Photoshop to make Rutger Howard look like he is... Clint Howard's brother.
0: Oh, my God. That would be amazing. A little crossover there. I'm with you, dude. So I've never seen it. I had never seen it until this this time. I had seen scenes here and there. Uh, I was very familiar with the aesthetic. I was very familiar with the cyberpunk thing to it, the, the neo-noir. Um, I was very familiar with, again, the title, Blade Runner. You hear the terms throughout pop culture, replicants, uh, you know, these things. Um, But I had never watched it myself as as well. Um, And and it was always on my list. It was always on my list of of movies I wanted to make sure to see. Same, same. So the fact that we saw it was cool. But then when when it came time to choose it, uh, and I had known there was like two or three versions. I didn't realize there was like 17. Okay, that's a little exaggerated. It's like seven, right? Seven,
1: which is ridiculous.
0: It really is, but when when it came time to choose, it it was like, oh my god, what what do we choose? Do we choose the theatrical version? Do we choose the broadcast version? Do we choose the director's cut? Uh, I decided to go with the final cut because this is the one that apparently is the uh, is the one that's closest, or is the artistic um, artistic viewer expression of. Ridley Scott like this is what he wanted it to be from the beginning uh, after it had gone through all the different changes that the studio had put on it over the years Um, so yeah so we checked it out we watched Blade Runner Final Cut Um, there's there are six versions sorry six yeah, six versions. Uh, so we watched it. So this is, Okay, so let's get into what this is. The movie's about, uh, and I'm just going to read right off of Wikipedia. It's easier. Uh, Blade Runner is a 1982 science fiction directed by Ridley Scott, written by Hampton Fancher and David Peoples, starring Harrison Ford, Rutger Hauer, Sean Young, and Edward James Olmos. It is loosely based on Philip K. Dick's novel, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Almost said sleep again. Uh, the film is set in a dystopian future Los Angeles of 2019. Which I chuckled, so futuristic. dude. I chuckled when I saw that. Uh, in back which to the future and Blade <laughs> Runner are now in
1: the pantheon of. Add them to the list of they were once future, and they're not even close, right?
0: Um. And so, 2019, in which the synthetic humans known as replicants are bioengineered by the powerful Tyrell Corporation to work at space colonies. When a fugitive group of advanced replicants, led by Roy Batty, played by Howard, uh, escapes back to Earth, burnt-out cop Rick Deckard, Harrison Ford reluctantly agrees to hunt them down so that's our story that's the plot the idea is that again these replicants uh are are on their way back to earth they're not allowed on earth apparently from what we the way it plays out in the movie
1: Um, from the star wars crawl at the beginning it says well of the 2007 version that we watched yeah you know it says that they're not allowed because there was some sort of uprising Mm -hmm. so they shipped them off world to do Basically, col- uh, colonization work terraform.
0: Yeah, slave labor. Basically, they're slaves, um, mm-hmm. and so they're, they're rebelling and they're coming back to to Earth to to fuck up the corporation, fuck up Tyrell
1: Corporation, um, well, and then and we even more so we find out toward towards the middle end of the movie, just before the final or as the final act starts, or in my assumption of the final act because mm-hmm. I'm in no way, shape, or form. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, <laughs> But yeah, yeah, there there's a peek into the inside of my mind. Um uh, just guessing. You know, I just guess, whatever. Uh we'll cut all that out and post. Not really, don't do it. <laughs> it'll add length and content. This is the direct anyway, this is the director's is, cut, bro. Exactly. Boy, wow. <laughs> final cut. Yeah, the final cut. We'll put it in, we'll take it out. Every ten episodes it'll be this episode <laughs> again. you every Jeez. time you will go back and re download it and find out if stuff's been added, then taken out. <laughs> And maybe, maybe I'll go back and do a, in. maybe I'll go back and do a voiceover. Oh, that'd be great. In this episode, Sean was a moron. <laughs> if you want to read something funny, read uh the the Power Rangers in Cyberspace episode number which one was it? I just put it up not long ago. It was episode sixty-four, and it and one of the lines says, If you want to know what not to do during a podcast, pay close attention to this one because mm-hmm. Christian and I were just Out of our minds. Dumb. (laughs) So anyway, this will all be put in in the final cut, episode 7000 of Silence Your Phones. Yes, it is. Um, uh, I don't even remember my original thought. Uh, Oh, we find out later, uh, toward the end of the movie, that there's only a small lifespan of the Nexus 6 version of the replicants, which I don't remember if that was listed in the beginning, (laughs) but that's the driving force of these, uh, originally these four replicants coming back to Earth for a longer lifespan. Yes. And... The parallel that Mister Tyrell, whatever his name was, um, old homeboy with the Coke bottles and the coasters on his glasses on his face—I think you could see his thoughts with those things.
0: They're amazing.
1: Oh my goodness! And he basically says to Roy Batty at the you know toward the end when Roy says, "I want longer life," and he says, "Isn't that the paradox of life itself?" <laughs> or, or something along those lines. I was like, "Wow, man, that's just on the nose." Yeah, profound.
0: Yeah, the idea, the plot overall is that right. It's it seems simple. It seems that it's they just want to live longer, uh, which starts to starts to give you these other these other ideas come up. Like, why are they so self aware, right? And if you're self aware, does that make you more human? And I believe that was the tagline of this corporation. They want to make these things more human than human. Um, and it was it's it's, it's a, the rob zombie. There you go. It's a very zombie. it's a very uh, interesting. I got to tell you, like the, the plot itself sounds simple it's a it's a cop you know chasing down uh you know the bad guys basically the 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 ones that are wanted but then he gets he got he gets himself kind of entangled in 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 the I, i'm not gonna say a relationship because it doesn't come out that way until later but like the rachel the uh the other replicant right he gets entangled in this kind of world and it's almost starts to bother him that she thinks she's real you know what i mean like that's one of the big things that comes up too is that not only are these replicants that are coming here uh you know they're trying to get their their life extended um but now there's a new kind of replicant that's out there that may not even realize it's a replicant they think that they're human so there was so many different things happening in this film plot wise uh and different all different kinds of underlying themes um but basically it's 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 what you hear it's 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 a movie based in the future uh, and I don't it, it's supposed to be Los Los Angeles
1: but it seemed like it was Japan right Well it was it was kind of a melting pot originally it was supposed to be San Angeles which was everything between San Francisco and Los Angeles which would explain why there is a larger Asian contingent yeah. and just every you know which which was highlighted because we see the guy that's in every movie that requires an Asian guy um, what's his name James Hong uh, uh, James Hong yeah James Hong. Yes, that's it. I mean, he's in everything from Briscoe County Junior with Bruce Campbell to yeah. Balls of Fury with Christopher Walken and you know, pick pick anything else in between.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um you could yeah, you definitely saw this. There was a lot of that the neon lights kind of thing that you normally associate with cities like Tokyo. Um but then there was also this other kind of police state feel, right? It felt like there was constantly these Searchlights that were moving around everywhere, sometimes into people's apartments and houses and um, the streets. It, it was a, it's, a, it's a weird, weird style of, of what they thought the future of, I guess, Los Angeles or San Angeles, whatever it was supposed to be, what this is going to be like. Um, do you
1: think – well, and so Los Angeles became what they settled on because San An- they scrapped that whole idea. Mm-hmm. But do you think that the searchlights were on because they were looking for those replicants – And it was just normal day to day. Otherwise,
0: I would say, you know, normally I would say maybe that was the case. But when the movie opens, right, we already see there's all kinds of weird things about this city that we normally wouldn't see even in a few. Like, what's up with the the explosions of of fire bursts coming from like these rooftops at certain buildings? Do you remember that? The very opening, there was these pillars of fire that would just shoot into the air here and there. Um, I think the Decker voiceover would have told us about that. But ah, we didn't get did. that in this version. Maybe it would have. Uh, yeah, we didn't. We didn't We didn't get the one that had a voiceover. Um, you know, it's a, it was – I like – I don't know. I liked it and I didn't like it. Like I liked the fact that it had, had that look, that kind of futuristic look. But then there were things that I didn't like that just felt – it felt too – do you feel, I mean, tell me if it's just me, but when I was watching this, there was so much that I kind of wanted to look at with the way they're trying to portray the future of the city, but there was so much movement going on and things that kind of walked back and forth and blocked out the camera. It was almost like it was done on purpose because it was almost like they didn't want you to to focus too much on futuristic stuff. They wanted you to notice, like, this is what's happening on these dirty, grimy streets. Like, this is your story. Uh, but I did, like, I felt like there was a lot of times in the shots where... I don't know. I don't know if it was, he, Ridley Scott did it to give it that feel of kind of like an enclosed, like really packed kind of city. Uh, but it felt like there's a lot of times where like the crowds are walking in the shot when you should be trying to see what's happening. Do you know what I mean? Well, there was a lot of...
1: I mean, well, I think the, the main reason was that they didn't want you to see the Atari sign in the background. <laughs> Atari, TDK, I mean, all of the signs were out there. Pan Am. Yeah, the, but uh, I think a lot of it, and this is just my speculation is that a lot of it was was what you said yes to to create that packed in nature but also remember when decker was changing ch- changing chasing down uh, i think it was leon mm-hmm. or no it was uh it zora, zora zora zohora or zora. something like that yeah when he was chasing her down everyone was in his way they wouldn't move mm-hmm. so i think it was maybe it's a byproduct of them being overly packed in or you know whatever the case may be but I think it was it was a subtle way of of illustrating that specific thing that everyone was just there and you went about your business someone got shot right next to you okay brush it off and keep walking yeah
0: yeah um I did like that they had the flying cars you know obviously that's when you think of the future I don't know why we always think the future is going to be flying cars I, I guess we must go back to our days watching the jetsons man But it feels like every time we see future, at least movies from the 70s and 80s or 90s depicting the future, it's always these flying
1: cars. You know what I mean? It's the next evolution. You know, we walked. We've been waiting, bro. We've been
0: waiting. How long we got to wait for flying cars,
1: man? It's 2020 already. Uh, longer
0: <laughs> um but anyway yeah overall you know the the idea the plot behind this story i thought was a it's a decent plot but i do have to say for me i felt like it took a while to try to get to oh, the point you know what i mean do, how did you feel in, in the pacing of the film
1: it was slow yeah the first i'd say hour hour 10 because this is 117 minutes yeah. the first it, it was i felt that it was it could have been a little faster mm-hmm uh, I wonder if the, the fact that it was, it seemed like it was always raining and always at <laughs> night. I mean, I don't know how long this, uh, does it, did we ever establish a timeline of, is it just the same day? Is it multiple days? I would
0: assume it was a few d- d- different days, but who knows? You're right. It seems like it was dark all the time. Or was this like post matrix when they burned the sky? So there's no such thing as sun. Well, that's not true. It was a little, su- it was more sun towards the end, right? Wasn't it daylight or something? I can't remember that. It was,
1: I think it was the dawn was starting to break, but you know, you know, in, in the original cut, the theatrical cut, you know, Rachel and, and, um, Deckard leave and they're driving in the sunlight and during the day, but that, I don't know that that was ever explored daytime. That is during the movie.
0: And I was going to make a a mention of that. So we watched alien as a, a Ridley Scott film, um, and now we're watching another Ridley Scott film. And in both films, there seems to be this overabundance of rain or water just constantly spilling from above wherever it's coming from. Even in houses and buildings, it was—it seems like he's got this kind of fascination with running water.
1: It's almost a camouflage, though. Like an Alien, it was a camouflage for the goo that the alien would excrete or secrete when it was you know forming from the you know the the face sucker to the yeah. the chest burster to the the overall xen, uh, xenomorph um i wonder if this wasn't a camouflage to cover up you know or to to trick the viewer into did i, did I see a red eye did i not see a red eye no nah. You know the whole replicant thing with the red eye thing. Yeah,
0: you can see the kind of glow, and and I like that they they talk about the animals in this film are also genetically created. They're not. They're kind of like the replicants. Um, so there's a lot of times where, like, did you notice with the owl that every time it, it moved its head, it had that weird sheen in the eye? But that's a natural thing for for animals. Most most you know most living beings not red the, though. No, not red. That's the thing. It's that weird glow that kind of comes off it when they're more in the shadow. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, you're right. I, I do. I, I like that, but I just thought to myself, man, really, Rid- Scott's got something where he just loves rain. He just loves the way rain falls. He must love the sound of that patter. And just like, there was a scene originally when, um, later on in the film, when Deckard's is, is facing off against Roy. Um, and he's, he's, he's got his arm kind of he's extended. He's holding his gun. Um, I don't know why, I don't know what the choice for this was, but there's a, a, a super tight shot. Of the wall, right as the rain is just kind of trickling down that wall, and it's just run like it's literally a close up of the water coming down, and then you see the gun slowly come in into, into view. It was just a very weird kind of choice for for a scene, and that made me just think immediately. I was just like, this guy's got some fascination with running water. I don't know what it is, but it was all over Alien, right? We were talking about how an alien, what's-his-name's walking through the bowels of the the of the ship, and there's water falling from who knows where because it's 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 space. It's not like there's an atmosphere, so who knows where that water's running from? And now here we are. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I don't want to know where it's coming from then. Mm-hmm. And now here we are again, right? In a, in a world where it seems it's an event, it's 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 constantly
1: raining. Like there's, it won't stop raining. Um, I, I'm going to venture a guess here because I, I think we've all heard the stories that Ridley Scott may or may not be a little bit more high strung. <laughs> Maybe the the running water, the babbling brook. Maybe he's got one of those little desktop things with, with the running water. Maybe that's his zen. Maybe that's what keeps him from like just losing it.
0: <laughs> so he has to have it in the movies or else he's just going to lose it on people.
1: Well, when you're editing a movie and watching a movie at countless screenings, you got to have something that, that makes you want to watch the movie. So maybe that's it. He's like, I got, I need lots of water all the time Yeah. or we're going to have more people go into the movie than come out of the movie. Yeah, it's um it was it's definitely it's a choice I guess
0: if you're a filmmaker it's a choice and he chose to to um to really go all out on this one. This one had rain all the time, which which again, you know, it always does kind of add to a depressive feel and if that's what they were going with with what this world is like, this kind of and it's it's if you noticed, did you notice any trees, any green, anything like that at
1: all? Any plants? No, it looked like North New Jersey. Yeah. It was
0: literally all just kind of – it almost felt like we had already stripped the earth of every natural resource now, right? And that's why it looked the way it looked at the beginning with where it just kind of looks like a city that just kept going. There was no end to it and all this fire and stuff and the, the, the pouring rain. It just feels very depressive. So, I, I mean, I think that could be a choice too
1: is, is choosing to have the rain. It, it lends to a very kind of depressed feel. Well uh, you know you, you have all that rain, but then at the same time, if there's no green, you would you would have a lot of runoff. Mm-hmm. I mean here I am analyzing the um, <laughs> the terraforming of this planet you know as they're terraforming another planet yeah it's wow I think they missed some things yeah it is
0: it's interesting though it is interesting when you start to look at these little pieces of of, of different choices that he made as a filmmaker to to kind of lend to the atmosphere of the film but again the overall atmosphere of the film is dark it's a very kind of dark brooding depressive almost feeling kind of film and I think it also what doesn't help that feeling is the pacing. Like you said, it is kind of a slower film. It's deliberate. There's, it doesn't kind aside from the, the title crawl at the beginning, there's not much going on that, that really tells you what the story is until about, let's say 40 minutes in when you finally have all your pieces in line and you know exactly who's doing what and why they're doing it. Uh, it takes a while and it takes a while because it almost, it does that thing that a lot of old school movies do, seventies and eighties movies do, um, where, it's minimal dialogue, right, that's giving the information. You have to just kind of watch and then just um, – what is the word I'm looking for? You have to just kind of pull information based on the, the very few words that certain actors and actresses are saying.
1: Yeah, it's what, – what movie did we watch? Was it Alien where that happened and it was good? Yeah. And They Live, which was not good. yeah 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 yeah
0: Yeah, they live took a while to get to the point and then when it got to the point all of a sudden it was like it was
1: over for 20 minutes at that point you
0: know it was like it didn't make any sense on how how the information got put across whereas this one does give you the information and as soon as you start to really realize what it is it it's a good i think it was a good movie story-wise and plot-wise uh but it, it did suffer from some some slow pacing um Opening scene though, I got to so, tell you, opening scene was was interesting. I I thought even though it was it was kind of when he was interviewing, um, what was that guy's name?
1: Yeah, Leon. Leon.
0: When he's interviewing Leon, that back and forth was very. It, it held my attention. It was very tense. It held my attention too because you could tell Leon was already kind of uncomfortable that he was answering questions so much. Like his responses to the guy, he the guy was barely done talking by the time Leon
1: was responding. Well, and and with that. I mean, part part of that, you know, in 82 when this was filmed and even before that when it was written and adapted, you look at the behavior of Leon and in, through a current lens, you can say, all right, well, he's got anxiety and maybe he's got some other yeah. type of, you know, mental disorder and whatever. But at the time, it was just like, well, he's nervous. Well, maybe yes. But for what reason? Is it just that he's a nervous person? person is it that he is a replicant obviously we find out he had a pretty good um response to holden yeah to you know to tell to tell the viewer us the viewer that he probably was a a replicant but you know in 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 that whole scene it was just very nervous and now did you watch this with your wife who does like okay so i wonder what she would have said if she had looked at it and said all right well this guy's got you know borderline personality disorder or he's bipolar or he's got anxiety with PTSD tendency, you know, so many different things that, that, that the, uh, who was it? Leon was played by, uh, Brian James, who's no longer with us. Um, but he did, I think a great job of just showing a timeless vantage, uh, you know, a a third person viewpoint of someone who is a little bit unhinged off their rocker or whatever. Oh yeah. You, know, you can you can basically say in any time, all right. He's just crazy. He's a lunatic. He's a psychopath. He's got anxiety. He's nervous. He's you know whatever time frame, it just adds to the the complexity of that character, and and we find out that he's just very scared of dying. Yeah, exactly. So
0: let's go right into that. Let's go into the actors and acting. <laughs> Um, yeah, like you said, the, the fact that in that first few moments you get that intense anxiety and then later on we find out the reasoning is because they're fighting for the chance at living longer. They're afraid they're going to die. He knows he's going to die just in a couple of years because he knows, you know, what, what is it called his birth date or what? I forgot what they called it. The Maybe they said birth date. I was born on, right? I think that's like what he born says. Born on date or something. Something yeah. to that effect. Um, so, yeah, Brian James, man, he's uh, he's one of those actors that when you see him, you're like, oh, I've seen him in like everything. Uh, and like you say, he's not with us anymore, but he's been in all kinds of movies from the 70s and 80s. If you if you're a fan of any of those kind of any action movie or, you know, anywhere where there's a bad guy, an antagonist, he's usually the guy that you're looking at. Um, but let's let's go into the let's go into the uh, the overall cast. Harrison Ford fresh off of star wars never heard of him he's (laughs) fresh off of star wars currently in the works working on uh indiana jones films uh and he ends up getting this role i you know there was one there's a scene that happens in this film a little earlier on that made me think this is why i love harrison ford i don't know what it is it's it's always this cockiness about him you know what i mean there's a scene where they're watching they're watching the 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 recording of of Leon's in, in uh, interrogation and Harrison Ford says something i can't remember what it is he says i can't remember exactly and the response from the police captain he just gets this like smirk on his face just the corner of his mouth just kind of turns up and it's the most ridiculous look ever but i just it works and i just think to myself this this makes this he does it just like that with that facial like twitch that little thing he does with his face immediately you know what kind of character this cop is he's that hard-boiled you know i'm done i was i was out you're pulling me back in kind of cop and then he's getting annoyed and he's he's got that kind of you know that brash
1: almost like a han solo uh attitude do you think that's the same face that he made when they told him that we want you in episode seven but we don't want you for episode eight <laughs> uh, and also uh, uh Raiders of the Lost Ark actually came out the year before this movie. Right. Yeah. He was he's, So he had just done, you know, his three major uh th- three of his major roles, Episode 5 Star Wars, uh Raiders of the Lost Ark and Blade Runner 79, 80, 81. Yeah. I'm sorry, 80, oh, 80, 81, 82. Jeez. What a 3-year run. There you go. Oh, and then oh, and then another small indie indie film literally a small indie film, Episode 6, huh. came out. Temple of Doom. Jeez, 5 years.
0: Yeah, dude, he was like he was he was the rock for a while there cuz remember when the rock was like in every single movie coming out for like a 3 year period? Uh-huh. Yeah, he was definitely yeah. the rock at the time.
1: Um, but he, And it was an accident. Harrison Ford being an actor. He was a carpenter that was just there and asked to oh, frame a door yeah. and was asked to to read for, in American Graffiti at a table read. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's right. What a that's funny. Right. Accident. And that's a good movie too. We got to
0: cover that at some point here in the future. Um, yeah, I've never seen, but that's another story for another day. Oh well, yeah, definitely. Uh, he definitely plays this this character of Deckard. Uh, I I mean, it, for me, I can't see anybody else playing it after having seen his portrayal. Because I remember going in I, and I was reading a little bit on the background on this and that. This these are some of the people that they were
1: thinking of having play Deckard. You ready for this? So so weird. Gene Hackman, uh, which would have been very interesting. Cons- so so I'm going to analyze every person as you read them. Yeah. Have you ever seen Enemy of the State with Will Smith?: Yes, yes. Okay, so Gene Hackman in that movie. Yeah. I mean that's like isn't I mean Gene Hackman is a, is a marine.
0: Oh real life so I, he,
1: real life he was a marine Yeah, I did, is. Oh, I did not know that. Once and always. Ah. once a marine always a marine. Uh, but yes, yes he's uh, I think he was in the the platoon that actually went onto mainland Japan. Oh, yeah. I and mean, I hear from from Seth Green, I hear he's got the uh, the biggest hands on the planet. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you look at your mixer, they're probably bigger. Oh, my God. Could you
0: imagine uh, Gene Hackman? OK, so Gene Hackman is Deckard. They also thought of having Sean Connery. Sean Connery would. Uh,
1: I can see Sean Connery as an aged. Yeah. Deckard.
0: Yeah. Uh, And I think he would have pulled it off
1: well. This one I'm not too sure of. I don't know that I would have liked Jack Nicholson as Deckard. Um, I think you're thinking of Jack Nicholson as an older Jack Nicholson. Like, hey, (laughs) I'm going to hunt you down and kill you. Bang, 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 bang.
0: (laughs) Yeah, interesting. Paul Newman. Paul Newman would have been good, though. Uh, If there was a race car driving scene. Um, well, he, he, could, he could have raced some flying cars, right? Uh, yeah. Clint Eastwood, I think that would have been different too. Because D- Clint would've... Eastwood would have had that dirty Harry at the time, right? In the 70s, late 70s, early 80s. So yeah, it would have been strange to see him going from a dirty Harry character, which is still a cop in that kind of hard-boiled sense, but then to be into this kind of role. I don't know. I couldn't see Clinton playing this character. Next guy, though, Tommy yeah. Lee Jones, I could see.
1: Yeah, but didn't... Well, and, and you think about it down the road. He did, um, with Harrison Ford, he did the... Yeah. um Fugitive. Fugitive, yes. Thank you. I
0: want to see him. I want to see Tommy Lee Jones chasing the replicant down. And they're like, I'm not a replicant. And he's like, I don't care. I didn't ask what you were. <laughs> I asked what you were. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Bro, come on. No. Arnold Schwarzenegger as this would have been ridiculous that would have been i think it would have been a big big flop i can't see
1: schwarzenegger pulling this off pacino but he did do total recall uh, which was another dick another dick uh adaptation yeah uh al pacino we'll see
0: hold on go back real quick arnold schwarzenegger in total recall i don't know it felt that felt more natural in that regard because he was a cop in that as well right was it a, a an officer I don't know. I can't remember Because I've never seen it. Oh, my God. Do you watch movies, bro? Um, <laughs>
1: hey,
0: but anyway. Silence your mouth. But anyway, uh, Al Pacino, man. Al Pacino. Um, I think yeah, he would have done good. Which Al Pacino? Good. It would have been which young Al Pacino, Scarf- yeah.
1: Scarface Pacino, where he's over the top? Or uh, any given Serpico. Oh, what about Pacino.
0: Serpico? Hmm. Now, there's, there's straight, like, I think that's the kind of Pacino we would have gotten. But again, I feel the character of Deckard, now that we've seen him, it's hard to imagine these other actors in that place because of the way Harrison Ford portrays him. Like there's a very kind of minimalist way that he delivers lines and does things and says things, but it still comes off very impactful. Whereas somebody like Pacino is going to literally, I feel like he's going to overact it. You know what I
1: mean? Oh yeah. I mean, hands down, but can you imagine him and Scott, did they ever do anything together?
0: Oh, I couldn't, to be honest, I'm not sure.
1: I don't think so. I really don't let think so. Type, uh, let me type that into my Google but it machine. It looks like
0: the other... One more person here uh, right before when you pull that up. Uh, the last person on this list that they were considering was Burt Reynolds. Um, no. W- which, again, the mustache would just would not have worked at all. Can uh, Cannonball Run Burt Reynolds? Yeah.
1: That would have been... I
0: think... isn't. Um, hold on. Isn't Burt Reynolds just the same Burt Reynolds in any, any decade?
1: Oh, more or less. But, I mean... Cannonball Run was right around this time as well, so it would have been Goofball Burt Reynolds, I think. <laughs> there you go. Uh, you know, uh, the guy that eventually played um, Holden was actually considering, what, I think, audition for this role, Morgan Paul. And and that, if that intensity from that first scene would have carried over throughout the whole movie, it would have been like we were watching Contagion all over. Oh again. yeah, just like like high strung, shoulders in your ears type. Yeah.
0: Yeah, seriously. Um, let's move on with the cast. Rutger Howard You mentioned him earlier. He's considered a, a legendary actor, right? He's a, He's got that. He's the name that when you heard it back in the day, it was like your your film is is going to be something.
1: You know who he looks like in this film, especially in this in this film especially. Um, he looks like if there uh, if there was a movie on his life. Uh, what's his name from My Chemical Romance would play. Would play him with no makeup. Was <laughs> that is that Gerard? Yeah, Wayne? yeah, yeah. You're right.
0: That's funny, dude. Um, yeah. So Rucker Howard's in this, and he does a, for me an amazing job as as Roy Batty. This ca- he's just. Except, I expected more. I don't know. I expected him to be a little bit more vicious than he was. You know what I mean? But I guess we when well, you see what happens at the end of the movie and what's actually happening to him, uh, it makes a little bit more sense. But um I don't know. I always thought because of the f- I hadn't seen the film, but I had known the seen the character, seen the the pop culture references. I had always thought that he
1: was a little bit more vicious, a little bit more kind of cutthroat. He was more cunning and he had his people do all the work for him. They would set it up and he would just go in and be as charming as he possibly could while being very cunning and manipulative at the same time. Yeah. Um Sean Young plays Rachel. Sean
0: Young. Uh, originally, before Blade Runner, she was in Stripes with Bill Murray, and then later on. Do you remember? She is the police. Is it the police captain or police chief in Ace Ventura,
1: Pet Detective? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Lieutenant. D- Lieutenant. Yeah. Um, she was in Dune as well, which was a um, beca- uh, was supposed to be a Scott, uh, a Ridley Scott joint, but uh, who did that? It flopped horribly. Never saw it. Uh, David Lynch. Oof. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I, I'm. I can't. I don't know that I. Yeah, we might have a conversation about David Lynch one of these days. Oh yeah,
0: we'll we'll have a David Lynch episode where we can just kind of go off on him. Uh, yeah, shotgun all of them. Sean. So Sean Young, Mary Sean Young. She was. Uh, she plays Rachel, the the replicant who doesn't realize she's a replicant. Um, and I think she did a good job overall. I think. Um. She wasn't on the screen was too much. Small. Yeah, she wasn't on screen too much. Yeah. But when she was in, in those moments where she was really struggling with. Are her memories her own or not? Um, you know, just the way, just that subtle way her eyes started to fill up with tears. And, and it, I, I thought she did a pretty good job. It was an impactful uh, performance.
1: Yes, but at the same time, that whole, uh, that, that whole exchange when she goes and meets Deckard at his apartment, oh. I don't understand. I mean, I think there was a lot cut out that would explain that more. Uh, his fascination with her oh when there's a
0: slams her into the wall when she's trying to leave and he's he's like tell me you want me tell me like that was such a strange interaction dude that was uh, an uncomfortable scene say kiss me I was like what is happening right now did I miss something did I doze off and didn't realize I dozed off what the hell's going on
1: yeah so here so there's there's three prequels to Blade Runner 2049 which she is also in 2049 I don't know about the sequels but there's three sequels. Uh, the most important one is the, the direct sequel to this. is a 15-minute short. The other two are t- six minutes long each, and they just set up t- Blade Runner 2049. But in 20, uh, Blade Runner 2020, uh, I think it's called Lights Out 2020 or Blade Runner Lights Out 2020, there is a... Uh, the Tyrell Corporation is developing a Nexus 8 model which is a natural lifespan, not a four-year lifespan. And in this movie, Tyrell says that she is a prototype of a new mm-hmm. model. So I wonder if she wasn't a Nexus Eight. And I say that because at the end of the movie, when Howard says, "In the end, we all die," mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, then they immediately go back to Howard's or not Howard uh, to Decker's apartment and she's laying in the bed i thought that she was dead mm-hmm. but you know the the theatrical cut they're cruising on down in some car to along the street in the daylight um so i wonder if that wasn't retconned in the uh 20 uh lights out 2020 where she is a nexus 8 and she will live long enough to do whatever i'm not sure but i'm going to have to
0: check those those little uh little vignettes that came after seriously because 2049 i'm obviously i'm obviously going to want to see now now that i've seen this mm-hmm. uh but i didn't know that there was these other little kind of uh spinoffs after that
1: yeah they basically introduced dave batista as one of the one of the guys and you know one of the replicants and ryan gosling and stuff nice uh
0: who else is in here oh dude edward james almost
1: does he here's the thing though i love that edward he, he brings a lot of Gravitas to mm-hmm. to the movie. But no different than the argument that recently came out about Indiana Jones. Mm-hmm. Is he even relevant in this movie? No.
0: He's not needed. Did you cut him out? 100%. Well,
1: here's the All thing. He it would depend. Relevance is... He just brings Deckard to to Brian.
0: Not just that. He leaves all of these little origami things all over the place. And now here's another thing. I don't know. Was that supposed to be something? Is there things that are cut out that we didn't see that that makes more sense? But he does all of these things, right? He creates all of these little origami pieces
1: and leaves them wherever he's he's at. And for a minute... He's not the only one that does that. Who else did it? Uh, I believe that Deckard did it and Batty did it as well.
0: Oh really? I didn't see Decker do it. I just saw uh, every time I saw almost. He's the one doing it.
1: Oh well, let's let's Google it. Yeah, yeah,
0: look that up. But uh, yeah. So there, here's the thing about that, right? The fact that this um this version of the film when when I went back to read up on on the different versions and what they did to them, this version had uh that dream sequence that originally had been taken out of the film. Um, on all the other versions it's a dream sequence in which uh deckard dreams of a unicorn just kind of mm, okay. just
1: kind of out of nowhere a unicorn right so here's what here's what it means uh one of deckard's fellow blade runners a wigged a, a wigged out dandy uh I, all right i just love the name of that <laughs> dandy means that that's what he wears uh a wigged out dandy named gaff played by almost yeah Leaves an origami unicorn for Deckard to find. This suggests that Gaff knows Deckard's memories. Which means they're in planning. It calls into question. Which is, I think, a lot of the impetus for 2049. Yeah,
0: and that's what they do with this film here is this this questioning thing about whether or not is Deckard himself a replicant. Because when he comes across somebody now that doesn't believe that they're a replicant and he doesn't understand that at first and he finds out, well, it's because we can pad their memories... It's interesting, right? It makes you start to really question, what about this guy? What about anybody that's out there? What if they are replicants? They just think they're human and they're acting human so that they don't overthrow anything because of the memories they have. And that's the thing. When he puts that unicorn down at the end, um, that was immediately what I thought. I'm like, why would he know about the unicorn dream, right? Well, that's kind of a weird thing. And he kept making little comments to Deckard here and there. Uh, And even all the way to the very end, he made a comment about, you know, not everybody stays alive or whatever the case. I can't remember how he said it, but it was almost this knowing thing of that Gaff knows that Deckard's a replicant. That's how I took it. Um, But, yeah, you know, aside from aside from creating the little origami pieces that aren't really, you know, explained at all. It's just kind of something he does. Yeah, you're right. You could take him out 100 percent completely 100 and you would not know that he was supposed to be in the film.
1: Yeah, it's just a, is it a red herring in this movie? Because for 20 some years, well, more than that, almost 35 years, it's been a standalone film. So, so is Mm -hmm. it, it's just one of those questionable things that, you know, why is he leaving it? Is he also a replicant? Is he a different type? Is he, you know, who, who knows until you watch 2049, which we just might at some point. Oh, for sure. Yeah, so
0: almost though. Great actor, great great actor. uh, Underutilized. Projects at times.
1: (laughs) What's that? Sometimes he's done questionable projects.
0: Questionable projects. Yeah. yeah, We won't Uh, hold that against him. But he is a good actor, and again, you know, it's it's under underused in this
1: film. I would say. What about M. uh, Emmett Walsh? Uh, By name, you don't know who he is, but then you look at him, you're like, I know this guy. That guy's in everything that I'm I'm aware of, such as Critters, which is an awfully awesome awful movie. Amazing. the jerk uh he's done some adventure time stuff empire you know he fits right in there oh here's a winner scorpion king (laughs) four he's been in twilight
0: for all you little twilight kids out there uh he's been in everything do he uh romeo and juliet the 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 remake with um what's the what's his name leo dicaprio uh wild wild west snow dogs Snow dogs. See, <laughs> see, that's it. That's all you have to say. Just snow dogs. Right. Oh, I feel like he that... played. Didn't he play Ebenezer Scrooge at some point? I feel like he did it in, in, a, in a version of the film.
1: Uh, well, he was in X-Files. Uh, that's nothing related to what you had asked me. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, this dude, if you if you take a look at him uh, and you
0: see him, you're like, oh, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. He's um, that guy from that thing that you've seen. Exactly. And he plays Brian. He plays the, uh, what is he, a cop, a captain? What is he? Yeah,
1: he's he's the guy that recruits Deckard to come back and do whatever. Exactly. Um,
0: and I think, aside from Brian James and James Hong, we, we discussed them already, the only other really, really big name in this film uh, that I forgot had was on, because I, I knew she was in it. I just forgot about it. So when I saw her come up on the titles, I was like, oh, snap, that's right, Daryl Hannah. Mm-hmm.
1: Which mermaid herself. Which looked, well, Tommy Boy's stepmom. Also uh,
0: Tommy Boy's stepmom. Tom
1: Callahan. Little Tom Callahan. But She just didn't look like the Daryl Hannah that we know. I, I did, however, notice, and, and I, I did text you a Patty Smythe video, music video, um, which is, ex- this is the exact influence that I had or the exact inspiration that I had for sending you that because I was like, oh man, she looks like David Bowie, yeah, and also a little bit like the uh, like the not the original but like the second and third iteration of Harley Quinn.
0: I was yo, I was gonna say she's like Harley Quinn before Harley Quinn, mm-hmm. uh, which was weird. It was a weird thing that he was doing, but then I, I you realize later the whole idea behind what she was doing because she ends up befriending uh this guy sebastian that's he's part of these bioengineers right
1: wasn't um, everybody and, a specialist in this movie too like a specialist yeah. of eyes or skin yeah. scales or yeah
0: yeah i feel like this whole world is full of specialists and and like all of those little alleyways cuz remember he went to the the one lady to find out about that skin the scale of the of the mm-hmm. snake and she's like oh no that's his down there and so he had to go to a different stand to find that information um, but yeah, no, Daryl Hannah, uh, obviously famously known, uh, from as the mermaid in Splash 1984 film. Uh, she's also in Roxanne. She plays Roxanne in that film. She's been in a lot of movies. Um, she's Elle Driver, the one-eyed assassin in Quentin Tarantino's Kill uh-huh. Bill films. Um, Daryl Hannah.
1: She's the, su- the supervillain in the, um, Neil Dime the breakup of Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. Oh, yeah. wait, 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 what? Wait, what? Yeah. I
0: know, I know. Uh, Neil because Young got
1: back together with her, but I don't think she broke them up. <laughs> um, she was with one of them years ago, like thirty years ago. Ah, I did not know that. Then she married one Neil. Of them yeah, Neil and, Young, a few years ago, and that. Uh, and they said, I uh, one of them said, I will never work with him again as long as she's involved. Oh wow, did not know so, that. So she is the confirmed case. The confirmed she's the Yoko. Yoko Ono. She's the Yoko,
0: but Daryl Hannah in this film plays uh, the fourth replicant, Pris. Who, uh, I mean, I don't know. She was okay. You know what I mean. I don't. I wasn't like like blown away by her acting or anything like that. She was okay. I think I was more blown away by her acrobatics. But then again, you know, that's just a
1: double. Yeah. Um. You you are missing uh, the other the first replicant to go, Joanna Cassidy. Yeah. Had a oh
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah. Um, she had a starring role as Bob Hoskins' girlfriend in mm-hmm. Frame Roger Rabbit. Yep. Lest we forget,
0: Joanna Cassidy, and she plays a stripper in Blade Runner. Yeah, or well, she was a, a replicant who was stripping. That's how she was hiding out in on the world. She was a uh, she was at the strip club. Yeah, that she was. But yeah, it was a—it's a pretty decent cast, man. And overall, the, it's a—it's an impressive cast. A lot of people, you know, in the beginning of their their careers, um, so they would go on to obviously do greater, greater things, better movies. But this movie, overall, I think it was a good—a good
1: cast of characters. They all fit the characters well for me. Whoa, Again, whoa, like you said, whoa, whoa, what's whoa, that? whoa. Um, so Joanna Cassidy that we were just talking about, whoa, um, her first movie. Uh, Was not uh, just before Blade Runner. It was in 1968, so she's had some, you know, some. uh, She had some stuff under her belt uh, at that at the time of Blade Runner. She uh, was first in a introduced to the world in this small film called Bullet, starring Steve McQueen. Hey, Bullet! All right, I'm going to add this to the list.
0: That's a good one yeah so Joanna Cassidy rounds out that cast Let's move on to the soundtrack I mean I there's, no, there's no music i mean there's no there's no like well there's music but there it's not like it's all original yeah it's all score it's it's nothing but score and it's 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 a mix between orchestral score and
1: Synth. synthesizer it's which fits it's, I hear a ton a ton of influence in future movies in um you know thor ragnarok which was done by mark Mothersball, who was was in devo of all things and um you know just uh, i was amazed at this soundtrack by the way i was blown away by how good it fit how good it sounded you know how how just engaging and how it perfectly fit yeah i feel like i've i've always kind of liked synth
0: um more recently i've been getting into synth wave listening to the old like these new artists that are kind of got a retro sound with the synth synth music kind of 80 synth music Uh, so this immediately i was just like okay this is this is it is exactly what it's supposed to be you know and when you think of the future i don't know why everything is is synthesized in the future, but it that was in the eighties and late seventies and eighties. That's always like the mentality that music was moving away from, you know, strings and percussions. And we were going into nothing but electronic at that time. Uh, so synth made more sense. And it always seems to tie in with sci- sci-fi and this kind of that Neo, you know, uh, what do you call it? The, um, cyberpunk style, style aesthetic. So yeah, I enjoyed it. I really did. I was going back through just to kind of, cause I couldn't remember. I'm like, was there any like song, any kind of, you know, regular song music? Nope. It's all an original score and it's all done by, what was his name? Um, Vangelis, Vangelis, uh, Not who's his real name. He's a Greek musician. Re- well, try saying his real name. <laughs> Uh, no. it's it's, uh, it's greek Odysseus, it's greek
1: and then a whole uh, Papa Nanashiol. yeah definitely not
0: monosyllabic there you go but he's a composer electronic uh, progressive ambient jazz orchestral music um he's best known for his academy award-winning score for chariots of fire
1: oh small film
0: it's, yeah and you might know that <laughs> that that little that little piano run everybody knows that dun,
1: dun, 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 dun.
0: the dun. one that ufc used to use all the time did they really?
1: I do believe.
0: I did not know that. Um but yeah, dude, soundtrack's de- is is pretty cool. It fits this film easy.
1: Oh yeah, I would I would buy it.
0: <laughs> special effects. Uh they're world renowned. They weren't bad, man. I got to tell you for being as as old as it was. You I mean you can still tell it's older special effects, but mm-hmm. man, it was pretty good. Practical really too. really
1: good. And, yes. and I'm going to call out my my um my uh, my baseline here, or my my high water mark, if you will, uh, uh, the 1987 classic Robocop. Yeah. And uh, I would say that any effect in this movie Blade Runner, will wipe the floor with the Ed209 effect. <laughs> so yeah, they were they were quite good, I thought. I mean, you could see the flying cars, the uh, were not really there. Mm -hmm. but but i think they did a very good job with with the effects of this movie yeah
0: and when you said the practical those were good too like uh there was a scene do you remember when uh camped out in front of uh uh what was his name the 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 specialist guy i forgot his name now just uh went by uh, me james
1: james wall um JFJ. Oh, JF, Sebastian. Sebastian. J, yeah. JP Sebastian.
0: While he's sitting there kind of camping in his car, another police car basically comes in and is like, hey, you don't belong here. You need to, you know, you, identify yourself kind of a thing. And and it's a, a car that's coming, it's kind of coming from the sky slowly. And then when he he finds out who he is, he's like, all right, have a good night. And he takes off again when the smoke coming out. Uh it it looked very good. Like it wasn't this kind of cheesy kind of look you know what i mean there's, there's times when you see these things in movies where where it's supposed to be a fl- a flying vehicle or something and it does look cheesy this looked really good man overall uh lighting throughout the film looked good and i think th- that's what helps with the aesthetic is when he's adding all this rain it kind of lends to it you know what i mean it, it make it gives it gives lights uh neon lights all of these things more of a glow more of a, sh- uh, a shimmer mm-hmm. um everything about it man i, I mean you know the explosions looked right the the well you know what at the beginning there was that. it did look kind of hokey was when uh was when what's his name uh man i keep losing their names now at the beginning of the film who's getting interrogated leon Uh, leon when he shoots the interrogator and he Mm -hmm. kind of flies backward and busts through the wall
1: yeah that was a little hokey that was a powerful bullet
0: I was gonna say that's a power of whatever kind of gun he's got there, uh, but the the way the wall kind of broke apart was it was a little hokey. I remember just thinking to myself, huh?
1: Okay. But it was a it was practical.
0: Yeah, it was definitely practical. And then the rest of it just took off though. You didn't have to worry about it. And how about the different kinds of like uh, like the gun, right? Like the way they made that was the, cool. Design the gun or the, the, they designed the vehicles or what about the the Voight Kampf machine? That machine that was able for the, to interrogate and read their their body metrics. You know what I mean?
1: The, the computers were very uh, they had that matrix type crawl not exactly mm-hmm. but it was very similar uh, and and it also reminded me a lot of the computers from alien yes yes almost it's it's got
0: that dos uh-huh. the, the dos operating software uh, thing yeah and I you know, I liked it I, I I don't know what else I can say about special effects there wasn't anything too flashy it wasn't something that we could just you know, uh, drool over, not like the first time you saw The Matrix, right? But like, mm-hmm. still, but still, this this the, the special effects in this film for twenty twenty even holds up really well. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um. So overall, man, was there any scenes that stuck out for you that you that really made an impression
1: on you? Um, I, I really like the monologue at the end, the Roy Batty monologue. I think it did t- tie it was almost like in summation of the movie type thing. Um, that the, when they went the, the, the structure that Sebastian it's JF Sebastian, not JP Sebastian. Yeah. Uh, correct myself from earlier. That house was real cool looking. The, the police offices and such that was really neat built for the movie and still mm-hmm. exists and used everywhere else. um, you know the 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 first scene was probably the most intense scene up until the last chase scene in the movie. Yeah, and um, you know just just the the flippant the flippant nature of everybody in you know all the extras they're just walking around I, as <laughs> directed that that just kind of stuck out. But like the movie was the movie overall didn't have a lot of memorable scenes but the movie itself was you know uh, it it was you know maybe like just a tinge longer than than it takes you to check out of the movie there's something that brings you right back in
0: yeah yeah i agree with what you're saying there like overall the movie impacts you on the way it looked you know Mm-hmm. uh just the setting and and then a lot of those things. I think for me, one of the most impactful scenes was the very end after the monologue. Uh, when Roy just kind of hangs his head forward and the camera holds on him for a minute there, you know, and the rain's coming down and after, I feel like that was that was really impactful. I thought that was a good scene.
1: Um, I thought that was a little goofy because they were using, well, not not the not Roy's actions, but the the camera motions, how it just kind of hung there. And how they tried to use slow-mo. Uh, let, me, let me rephrase me Oh, that. yeah, Slow-mo, yeah. not slow-mo. Uh, how they tried to use that as, um, you know, with just old film and just slow it down and speed it up. Oh, they
0: do that all the time, man. I always see, you always see that when they hold, they're trying to hold a shot. And it's mm-hmm. almost like in
1: post, they're like, oh, we should have held this longer. You know what? Just slow it down. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can do that, but it, a lot of it suffers.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah overall uh, I thought it was a pretty decent film so let's rate this film let's rate it on uh, replicants let's just go straight out with replicants how many replicants do you give it out of
1: five Oof. so I mean we're going longer than normal because there's a lot in this movie to unpack um, when I watched it uh, I've only, and this is the only time that I've seen it um, You know, but knowing a lot about it just not you know, the finer details that, that we've discussed, I would say, you know, just, just from, excuse me, just from talking about the movie a little bit more, um, you know, the, the acting was great. Harrison Ford looks real young and that kind of distracted me a little bit, but that's not the fault of the movie. That's just because he's still an actor and sometimes he pretends to be a pilot. Um, but you know, it's, uh, I think, you know, Howard. I can see why people hold Howard in such high regard. I mean, he was great. The the story, like, I, I'm not overly familiar with the prodigal son, which is what Tyrell called Batty. He also called him, I, I'm familiar with the broad strokes, not, you know, not the, um, you know, maybe it was foreshadowing as to why he killed Tyrell in such a gruesome fashion, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forgot to say
0: that. That was mm-hmm. really gruesome. And for practical effects, that was pretty, yeah. Well, they it made, you, it made you
1: wince, dude. In, and they zoomed in real far or we real close. <laughs> so you couldn't see that it wasn't a dude's eyes actually bugging out. Ugh. Uh but you know, it, it's, it's such, you texted me or I texted you afterwards when I watched it and uh, we had to reschedule, but uh, to record this till today. But I was like, I am okay with that because I need some time with this movie. I need to unpack it. I need to really think about it. Yeah. Um, I'm very curious what happens going forward um, and how, you know, Roy Batty impacts Deckard, how, you know, Ed, uh, Gaff, how he plays into the future, um, the future movie, uh, mm-hmm. 2049. And so I'm, that setup intrigues me. So that does play into my, my, um, my rating a little bit. I'm going to have to say this movie at the, you know, just from first watching, because there's a lot in this movie to take in. I'm going to give this at a, a four, four, 4.25. And, it, and that may change over time. But uh, first watching, I'm going to say 4.25. Dude, I was I'm really, really intrigued in this movie.
0: I'm with you. That's exactly what I was going to give it 4.25. Because I finished it. And well, uh, let me put it this, let me back up going about halfway into it. I was like, man, I don't know if I can stick with this. This is, I mean, it's it's intriguing and I like the look of it and I like a lot of what's happening. It just, this is not picking up like what the heck dude. Right. Uh, So after finishing it and like you said, there's a lot to unpack. Like unpack, giving it the amount of time we're giving it just for this episode is not getting giving it enough time. Like I feel like Blade Runner should have its own mini series podcast that breaks down all the different things that happens in that film, the different themes, all of the layers. Man, it's it's intense. There's a lot happening there. Uh, yeah, I we didn't even go. be
1: a TV series on it too. Ooh. We didn't even go
0: into themes, dude. All the different themes oh covered goodness. in this thing. I mean, come on. We should do a future episode where it's just the themes
1: of Blade Runner. But well, you do it, It's like you said. There's a lot to unpack. But well, and even so, there's you know, sorry, I'm going to interrupt you again. No, you're good. Uh, even so, there's a lot of influence that future movies take from this movie. You know, it, it, not just that it's Scott. Granted, that helps. But uh, you know, and, and even still, this movie was adopted into the li- 1993 and. Preservation of uh, film registry and the by the Library of Congress. So eleven years after it came out, it was a, it was already in preservation. Yep. So yeah. continue your thoughts. Sorry.
0: No, no, you're 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 right. It's the, there's a lot to this movie, and I f- I remember just when I finished it, just thinking, wow. But it's always telling to me how much a movie impacted me, or how much I like a movie. If I keep thinking about it days after, right, if it keeps coming back to me and I keep thinking about or I keep going back to something saying, well, what if this or and I did that a lot with this film and I did that a lot with certain things like I kept I keep going back with I'm telling you, man, I think, you know. Deckard's a is a replicant. This really feels like that was the point to this. Um and then that, what does that even say? Like so if he become he finds out he's a replicant, how does he just deal with the fact that he's been hunting them down, you know what I mean, Be, based on false memories that have been, you know, put into his head? Who knows. Uh, but so much happened in this film even though it felt like nothing was happening. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I mean it was it was just a lot of I don't want to say it was a lot of noise. But there was a lot that happened that maybe it distracted you from what was happening on screen on purpose, you know, just to kind of give you that, well, you know, am I, it's almost like there's a movie called a waking life and it's rotoscoped, um, which means that they painted over it. It's very, it's very weird in in vantage point, but it's about dreams and there's someone talking and they're, they're being interviewed basically. And they're, so they're saying something to the effect of, and then this happened and then there's a a lull and you kind of look away, you know, it's designed to make you just stop paying attention for a half second. And then, especially if you have surround sound and maybe your mind is altered in a certain fashion, um, the, the person being interviewed says saber tooth tiger right behind you. And you're like, what? (laughs) And, um, I can speak from experience. Take that as you will. And it 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 really bewilders you. You're like, "What the what? Huh?" And you're looking around, you're like, "My wall, I'm sitting in a couch it's against a wall. How can it be right behind me?" But, you know, it was it, it's it, it's in designed to do certain things. So I'm thinking that maybe Scott, as much of a visionary as he is, did some of this on purpose to distract you from Realizing there are subtle hints here and there yeah. and there and here uh, and and whatnot, um, yeah. so I have, I do have a question for you. Uh, do you know if your wife has ever seen this movie? Uh, I can probably say for sure she hasn't. I can almost guarantee that E has not either. I'm very interested. If we do a follow up on this one, especially this movie, and we bring our ladies in and just have them discuss with us and see if they saw what we saw because they they live in you know the the this mental headspace more than we do and i think that there is maybe not a commentary but there is a theme in this movie that you know if we watch it with them don't tell them anything and then you know get their input and maybe they see something that we didn't see
0: hmm interesting i'll see yes. i'll see if she wants to it's uh she's she's very much my wife, her time is more valuable, so she'll sit down only when she really wants to see something. But I'll, uh, I'll definitely see if she's interested because I would be, I'd be interested to see how she, her take on what the themes on some of the themes of this film. Uh, but there you go, four point two five for both of us. So I'm assuming we're both going to put this on the DVD collection shelf.
1: Oh, by far, and easily. maybe even future future releases versions of this of it, film, different cuts.
0: Yeah. Now, see, this is the thing. Now I want to go back and check out different versions just to see what the differences are yeah um anyway all right so that's that was Blade
1: Runner what's the next film we got coming up so I, I mentioned rotoscope a few minutes ago and uh we are currently in a uh we're currently we just watched a movie by Philip k dick well based on a novel by Philip K dick we're gonna stay in the same verse I don't want to dub it the dick verse but it's it we can, we'll dub it we'll dub it the dick okay. verse just bleep it just bleep when i say dick <laughs> <laughs> every time we say bleep
0: what do you say uh, <laughs> um
1: so we're gonna go with a scanner darkly which stars keanu reeves and a pre-iron man robert downey jr
0: the idling jets can be replaced with smaller jets that would compensate and with attack it just watches rpms so it didn't overrev. usually just backing off on the gas pedal causes it to upshift if the automatic linkage doesn't do it what do you grease monkeys up to Bob's got a bent choke shaft. How much does this involve, away? Weigh? Weighs about a thousand pounds.
1: All right, thousand pounds, traveling at 80 miles per hour, built up a force. Oh. That's a thousand pounds with passengers in it and a full tank of gas. Uh, uh, for a fact, okay. How many passengers? Twelve. Six in the front, six in the back. No, that's eleven in the back, and the driver's sitting alone in the front. The extra weight in the rear wheels is to keep the car from fishtailing. What are we talking about? Twelve
0: 50 pound passengers? Kids' soccer team. Uh, is that metal or plastic cleats? Metal cleats for safety. Okay, my computations are complete. You are just tackle tweak but you are bug-bite squared. What kind of bug? About to get fucked up, bitch beetle. Hey, come on. cool right. you guys. Oh, step, step back. back. Freckin' frack. Ernie's on the attack. What is, what is, Pre-Iron Man, uh, post-legal uh, troubles, trying to get his, his life back in. Just post. Just post. Just
1: post. If, I, if I remember correctly.
0: Uh, yeah, I remember this. I remember the the trailers for this when it was coming out. I was younger, and I remember just thinking how cool it was—the rotoscoping, that that animated style that made it look real. Uh, and then you know you see Keanu Reeves, and obviously you know he's he's uh he's of Bill and Ted fame. So I, I was very interested in checking it out. So I'm glad I, I've never seen it, but I'm glad
1: to check it out. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I, I've seen it, and I think that you will really enjoy it especially the actors the you know this is a link later film um and you know there's people that have you know woody harrelson and winona Ryder before they had their career resurgence uh re-resurgence and it's i think it's rose-colored glasses perhaps but i think it's i think you'll like it
0: sweet i'm looking forward to it so there you go folks uh another episode of silence your phones in the bags thank you most thank you so much for listening Uh, As always, make sure to check out all the other podcasts on our network, bicbp radio.com. Other than that, for Sean Fritz, this is Chris Chavez. We're letting you know it is now time to unsilence your phones.